A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. It's 5.05 on the clock, which means it's time for the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome aboard. My name is Josh Scramlin, filling in for Pam Yonke. Happy Friday to you. Looks like we got a good weekend ahead, and we have also got a very good show ahead. You're going to hear from the whole gang, Pam Yonke, Rebo McClone, Stu Muck, myself, everybody. And also, before we go any further, make sure to go to MidwestFarmReport.com to claim your free, fabulous farm baby bib, courtesy of Quick Trip as they support Wisconsin agriculture. We've got you until 6 a.m. and more farm news right ahead. World-class research and education is drawing even more students to the UW School of Veterinary Medicine on the UW-Madison campus. Did you know that that school trained more than 50% of the veterinarians now practicing in the state? And that includes new graduate Tyler Mack, a Pennsylvania native that found his way to the UW School of Veterinary Medicine. When I applied, there was around 30 veterinary schools. But for the University of Wisconsin itself, for example, there was, I believe... Uh, 1,000 or 1,200 applicants for 80 spots. Congratulations, Tyler Mack, new graduate from the UW School of Veterinary Medicine, practicing right here in the state. But remember, the school is out of space. It has not significantly grown since it opened in 1983. The goal is to raise about 30% of the entire project's cost, and you can help. Write a letter, make a phone call, send an email. Find out details on how you can support the expansion at the UW School of Veterinary Medicine online. Animals need heroes to too.com. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. We hear you. You need new windows. Ganser Company is proud to introduce 80 years and 80 minutes. Simply put, you need real information and pricing so you can make a good decision and spend your precious time with your family and friends, not contractors failing to call you back, taking weeks to get you an estimate, or the high-pressure sales pitch you dread. Our 80 years of hindsight for 80 minutes of your time. We give you the skinny in 80 minutes to make an educated decision. With the huge swing in temperatures from below zero to the upper 90s, Ganser Company has the only window made for Wisconsin climate. Infinity Windows from Marvin offer a lifetime warranty. Bring on the ice, wind, and the heat. Infinity Windows don't warp, crack, or fade like vinyl windows. Call today, 608-222-1243. Or stop into our showroom and see the Infinity Window Experience. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. It's that simple. Dancer, that's the answer. Some people see the need to get creative with marketing and the dairy industry in general in Wisconsin, and the nation for that matter. I'm Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. And Josh, Dairy Innovation Hub recently approved by the state legislature, who was part of the state biennial budget, might give us that chance. Yeah, that's certainly true, Scott. Josh Scramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And, you know, when, when we saw that news, we all got excited. We all got curious. And Reba was the one that put in a call to State Senator Howard Markline. He's a pretty uh, powerful voice in Wisconsin agriculture, especially on Capitol Square there in Madison. And she caught up with him by phone, and she spoke with him about the funding that institutions will be receiving from the Dairy Innovation Hub, among other things. I'm Reba McClone, and I had a 
chance to talk with Howard Markline, one of the state senators, about what rule EMS is needing. But before we got into that, we also talked about the fact that the Dairy Innovation Hub has officially gotten funding through the Joint Finance Committee and why that is so important. Well, I think uh, <clears throat> the Dairy Innovation Hub is important. Uh, that was the number one request for the Dairy Task Force 2.0 that was assembled uh, over a year ago. And the Dairy Task Force, as you may recall, included uh, obviously dairy farmers from all over the state, uh, cheese processors, um, uh, allied uh, businesses that support uh, the dairy industry, as well as the uh, University of Wisconsin system. And, uh, you know, that was their number one ask. And so uh, what it does is provide additional resources to our three uh, strong ag uh, campuses, UW-Platteville, UW-River Falls, and UW-Madison, to continue research uh, on dairy, um, including the, the demand side of things. And when you talk about the different universities, are they going to be focusing on different areas uh, within that Dairy Innovation Hub, or how is that going to work between the three universities? Well, each of those campuses has a little bit, uh, you know, strength. And uh, so I think you're going to see a little bit of, of variation between the three campuses. And, you know, I, I've been, uh, UW-Platteville is on my campus, or I'm in my district, and they've done, a, you know, they've got a strong engineering department, okay? So you might see uh, maybe a little bit more at UW-Platteville oriented towards not just dairy, but impact on environmental engineering, you know, and impact uh, of dairy, uh, you know, on on, um, on water quality and 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 uh, you know land use. So, uh, but each of those campuses has got you know certain strengths. And I think they're going to try to leverage that as much as possible. And I've been excited by the cooperation and the communication that we've seen between those three campuses. And you speak about that cooperation and communication, and it said that there was going to that they're coming up with implementation plans and goals. Any ideas about what those might be? Well, um, the, the funding for this it's a it's a million dollars the first year, the year we're in right now, and then and then seven million uh, ongoing. And you know, this first year, all three of those campuses are in the process of kind of designing what this program is going to look like and what their emphasis is going to be and what the staffing needs are. So I think you'll see over here over the next uh, number of months uh, some flesh, you know, getting put on the bones uh, of their of their plan. So, um, you know, by a year from now, we're, they're going to be off and running, you know, and, and doing research and have hired uh, their, their staff for these positions. So, you know, this year, the current year that we're in, fiscal year, will be largely, I think, kind of a, a planning um, a planning year. That makes a lot of sense. And what are some of the goals that you're hoping to see come out of this? Well, I think that, you know, obviously we've had, there's been a lot of talk about the, you know, water resources and, and land stewardship. I think that's one of the things that they're going to be focusing on, you know, doing research on that, uh, have science-based, uh, you know, solutions uh, for that. Uh, the other thing is uh, I think they're going to be looking at the more of the demand side. Uh, we do an incredible job of producing the best milk in the world. And, you know, the production side of things isn't 
the issue. It, it's the demand side. So I think you're going to see some uh, research done in terms of uh, consumer tastes. Um, you know, can we uh, produce uh, milk that maybe uh, might be more nutritional for for either young people, elderly, uh, for various segments of our population? And back to the Joint Finance Committee, did you find that this was mostly supported within that? Yes, yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, even in with something like this, there's some, you know, political grandstanding. But in the end, uh, this proposal, uh, and this is something that I had championed back during the, <clears throat> the budget process back in, in May, and uh, we didn't have any uh, buddy uh, co-sponsorship. Uh, help co-sponsor this on the other side of the aisle. But in the end, uh, everybody on the Joint Finance Committee uh, voted to support this, uh, which I'm very delighted for the support of the entire committee. You said that you've been out at a couple of Farm Bureau <laughs> meetings lately. And so have you heard from constituents about this, about how they're feeling about this getting passed? Yeah, you know, and farms, you know, I mean, I, I think anything we can do to draw attention to the our dairy industry uh, is a good thing. Anytime, you know, we got a chance to talk about dairy in Wisconsin, I want to take advantage of that opportunity. So uh, farmers understand that this isn't something that's going to magically improve the price of milk overnight, but it's a long-term initiative that they support. <clears throat> and and speaking of those getting out and talking with uh, your constituents at these different meetings, you also have been holding summits regarding EMS services in rural areas. Tell me about those. You know, one of the things that we've heard from uh, the last year or two has been from our small rural EMS volunteer, and these are volunteers, not paid, but volunteer EMS departments that we've got all over my district, my rural district, and all over the state of Wisconsin. The concern is not having enough volunteers. And so what we did was uh, we held four uh, rural EMS volunteer summits uh, in my district, and we we didn't invite any of the the paid the paid paramedics you know from the bigger communities. Uh, we invited uh, people from that, that volunteer from local units uh, all over my district, and we just sat down to listen to them and said, "Hey, what are the challenges that you're facing? You know, in in recruiting and in, in getting volunteers to sign up, because a lot of these people have said, "Hey, listen, you know, we got the equipment, we've got." You know, the money isn't bad, but boy, I'll tell you, we can't, we don't have any bodies here. So uh, anyway, so it was a great opportunity for me to listen to what uh, is on their minds. And what did you hear as some of the challenges as to why they think people aren't signing up to be volunteer? You know, part of it is, you know, people are busy. Uh, We've got, you know, people are just uh, incredibly busy. Uh, But there's a few things that we're going to, you know, take a look at. One is this national registry test. Uh, it appears that that uh, test has become a barrier uh, for some people in in volunteering in their local communities. And uh, so, you know, we're going to take a look at the possibility of making that a, an optional test as opposed to mandatory. Um, and then um, we also talked a lot about staffing, especially staffing during the day in our small rural communities. You've got a lot of communities that they don't have any employers. So at 10 in the morning, uh, it's a challenge to get volunteers to respond <clears throat> or to, you know, to staff their EMS units. And so, yeah, we talked about that and about some alternatives for that. So 
Uh, again, I'm just I'm so grateful for those volunteers and all of the incredible number of hours they put in to support our communities. And I'm also grateful that they took the time to, to volunteer again to show up uh, to meet with us uh, at these uh, summits that we had. And were there any suggestions they had about what could be done to help besides maybe making that national registry test optional? Yeah, you know, we talked about, you know, we talked about, you know, the effectiveness of tax credits, for example. And the reality is, you know, the feedback that I heard from many of them is that, you know, people don't volunteer for the money. And and uh, we talked about tax credits for employers to give uh, employers tax credits to allow their employees to to respond to calls during the day. And again, you know, you know, businesses probably aren't going to be motivated. I don't care if it's a thousand bucks. Aren't going to be motivated by a tax credit because uh, they're probably going to lose a thousand bucks of productivity for an employee if you know they got to respond often throughout the year. So um, anyway, we talked about a lot about that. We talked about um, uh, the the training courses too, and how important it is that these courses, these training courses and refresher courses, be relevant to what the needs are in our rural communities. That was State Senator Howard Markline talking about the importance of rural EMS units in our communities, as well as the importance of getting funding for the Dairy Innovation Hub. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Reba McClone. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Quality is the promise printed on every bag of Latham high-tech soybean seed. I'm Shannon Latham. Quality is the visible difference in the way our soybeans look, germinate, and perform. Latham has quality numbers for your fields. Ironclad 2186 Liberty Link is best in class for early group two. New 2193 E3 features enlist technology and ironclad protection. And Ironclad 2228R2 is a multiple first trial champion. Pick quality yields. Visit LathamSeeds.com or call 877-GO-LATHAM. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. So whether you're just starting out or on your way to building a legacy, we're here for you and wishing you a safe and bountiful harvest. Learn more at Compere.com. Trademarks of Compere Financial, an equal credit opportunity lender. Filling your daily quota of cows and sows, it's the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It's Josh Gramlin filling in for Pam Yonke, 519 on the clock. Happy Friday to you. And right around 520 every single weekday, we connect live via Skype with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Josh. I'm doing fine. How about you? I'm good. So I got to ask you, and, we, and you can see this on our website, MidwestFarmReport.com, but you are having uh, quite the hand in some sort of online auction. You want to tell people about that? I guess I'm the online auctioneer. The Wisconsin FFA Alumni Association having their annual convention, their 40th annual, January 31st to February 1st in Waukesha, Wisconsin this upcoming year, and uh, helping along with 
the Alumni Association, having an online auction that ends this Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. There's a pair of Packer tickets, two all-inclusive registrations to the convention in Waukesha, everything except the hotel room, some scale model tractors, uh, some gift cards and things to Mall of America, some clothing, all kinds of neat stuff. You should look it out. And that's at Auctions by O'Brien. Auctions with an S. O'Brien is spelled O-B-R-I-E-N.com. Look for the link on the website and uh, help out the FFA alumni getting wound up for that annual meeting coming up the end of January. Getting wound up for a nice day today. There's going to be plenty of sunshine around and nicer temperatures, too. In fact, I expect to be a little above normal today. We haven't been there much lately. It is getting more mild, and that's wonderful, and it stays dry with sunshine, but then there's a warm front starting to wedge on in. The warm front down toward northwest Missouri, back into South Dakota. Low pressure as it moves east is going to pull that warm front up into Wisconsin. That keeps our temperatures a whole lot more mild overnight and pretty mild into the day tomorrow, but tomorrow's when clouds and rain are expected. Not that we expect a whole lot of rain, a tenth of an inch or so. That's going to be about it. It all happens to revolve around the timing of when these fronts all move in. We do dry out again for Sunday, not quite as warm, but more likely to see measurable rain moving on in towards Sunday night and into Monday. Next week, some uh, maybe quarter to half inch amounts of rain fall already through Monday, and it cools off. I'll have forecast details right after this. Here at Prairie Estates Genetics, we provide dairy farmers with high-quality silage minus the risks. You see, by combining our next-gen seed and next-gen forage management services, we're able to help dairy farmers improve harvest consistency, feed consistency, and milk production consistency. So why not do the same for your farm? Visit prairieestatesgenetics.com and see how you can make next year's harvest your best one yet. Prairie Estates Genetics, the future of forage is here. The fabulous farm babe Pam Yonke wants to turn your baby into a fabulous farm baby. Go online now to fabulousfarmbabe.net. Check out those adorable baby bibs and sign up to get yours absolutely free. Thanks to the wonderful folks at Quick Trip. Supplies are extremely limited, so don't delay. Log on now, fabulousfarmbabe.net. Here's a chance to turn your baby into a fabulous farm baby. 522 on the clock. Josh Scramlin from the Midwest Farm Report connected live via Skype with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, how's that weekend weather looking? Well, I like the looks of temperatures, definitely. In fact, today we'll have some sunshine, although a little frost this morning in the east and south. You may find some of that, but it should be ending here in the next couple of hours. In fact, during the day, mostly sunny skies. Low 60s, a lot of places could be mid-60s at La Crosse. South winds 5 to 15, they'll gust to 25. Overnight, we stay clear, fall back into the mid-40s. South winds at 5 to 15. But the clouds develop Saturday, and there could be a scattered shower developing at La Crosse and Boston yet in the morning. In the afternoon, further east and south, not a whole lot of rain, a tenth of an inch or so. Any rain ends already by Saturday night, but more clouds with the rain, upper 50s tomorrow. South winds become west, and then and by Sunday, mostly sunny, low 60s a lot of places. Winds become southeast at 5. And then late Sunday night into Monday, Josh, there's that next rain chance. Showers could be thunderstorm development into the day Monday. And I mentioned it, I'll say it again, about a quarter to half inch of rain possible into Monday. Those temperatures then cooler again into next week, back into the upper 40s and the low 50s. Uh, not going to be drying out quickly right away next week again, so... 
Take advantage if you can today and tomorrow, that's for sure. All right. Well, Stu, thank you so much for your time, and we will talk to you next Monday. You bet. Have a great weekend. All right. Yeah, you as well. Thank you so much. That is ag meteorologist Stu Muck. He joins us live via Skype every single weekday right around 5.20 a.m. Taking a look at current conditions right now, it is clear in 38 in Madison. It is 40 and clear in Eau Claire, 43 and clear in La Crosse. Going to keep that clear in uh, Green Bay, 33 degrees up there, 33 in Wausau, mostly clear skies as well, 36 and clear in Oshkosh, it's 35 and clear in Mauston, 35 and clear in Whitewater, and finally it is 32 and mostly clear skies in Shano. Hey, remember, head to MidwestFarmReport.com to grab your free Fabulous Farm Baby Bib courtesy of Quick Trip as they are supporting Wisconsin agriculture. And you can see all the submitted baby photos that we already have. Very, very cute. And again, that is courtesy of our friends at Quick Trip as they support Wisconsin agriculture. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Cold steel, rough concrete, tough plastic, synthetics. Today's world is enough to make us lose our real sense of touch and feel hundreds of miles away from nature. Luckily, that's not the case. There are places all around where you can get in touch with nature, at the National Wildlife Refuges. Here you can experience the warm, inviting touch of nature at every turn. Feel the smooth, gentle bark of a white birch tree on your fingertips. Walk barefoot on the smooth, water-worn river stones. Feel the soft moss lining a towering wall of limestone. When you feel these things, you are feeling the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. Are you ready for the next generation of body sculpting? A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Current body shaping devices have addressed unwanted stubborn fat and skin laxity. But what if we want more muscle strength and toning? MSculpt is our new body sculpting device at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie that uses high-intensity electromagnetic contractions with a 30-minute treatment described as equivalent to 20,000 crunches. MSculpt is approved for abdomen, arms, thighs, and calves. And it's also the world's first non-invasive butt toning and lifting procedure. MSculpt is a safe, effective addition to any workout program. 
The possibilities are endless. Let your natural beauty shine through. View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Welcome to the Middleton Farmers Cooperative, powered locally since 1928. Your cooperative, serving the community with two Senex convenience stores, Do It Best Hardware Center, Feed Mill offering Vita Plus products, Agronomy Center, and Blue Dolphin Car Washes. Become a member today. Visit us on Pleasant View Road or University Avenue in Middleton or online at middletoncoop.com. Be our neighbor. Become a member. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative, your cooperative. Stop by the Do It Best Center in Middleton and check out Grandpa Ray's Outdoor Products for nutrition and food plots that are natural and innovative. Also, check out Wags Hunting Scents for the freshest whitetail scents on the market. Wags keeps it simple. Be our neighbor. Become a member. The Middleton Farmers Cooperative, your cooperative. Thank you to everybody that made it to our free travel show. It looks like you want to join me in Panama and Costa Rica to kick off the new calendar year. Pam Yankee here. Our next farm adventure, January 4th through the 13th. We're visiting Costa Rica and Panama. We want to come along. We've got a brand new tool for you to be able to learn more about the trip. All you need to do is jump online. Holidayvacations.com. Enter keyword Pam. And they've got special online video presentations to show you some of the sites that we'll be enjoying on the trip. And that includes, of course, Doka Coffee. We'll visit Corso Dairy and learn a little bit about agriculture in Costa Rica. There's Arnal Volcano National Park, Monteverde Cloud Forest Reserve. Then it's on to Panama, where we'll not only enjoy a full transit on the Panama Canal, but we'll also get a chance to visit with the indigenous population that still make that region their home. Call Holiday Vacations toll-free, 800-826-2266, and join me on this Costa Rica-Panama trip. So, Monte, in between studying and whatnot, you've been, obviously been keeping up with the Badgers, right? What do you think of the season so far? Absolutely. You know I'm not missing the game, man. <clears throat> you must definitely know I'm not missing the game, but uh, our Badgers are looking good, man. Uh, obviously, that defense is looking unstoppable. I'm trying to sit here and think of a nickname right now. I know Chris Ork. <laughs> The Goose Egg Gang, right? Yeah, the Goose So I, I came up with Leonard's laser beams, and everyone's making fun of me, Monte. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, man. It's 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 looking like it's going to be a very exciting year. Um, I'm definitely stoked about this team. Yeah, so tell us about, well, I mean, you know, as a running back that had a lot of success, obviously, what's your take <laughs> on Jonathan Taylor and the Heisman chase this year? Man, I'm telling you this, man. I, I actually had somebody ask me yesterday. He said, <laughs> Rank the top three best Badger running backs. And I actually, you know, obviously you got Ron Day, of course, and I put Jonathan Taylor right after. Uh, I, I truly believe he's, he, he's, he's, he's chasing greatness, man. He most definitely is. And as for the Heisman chase, uh, that thing is so political. Yeah, like what goes all into it? So I'm glad you exactly. said that. Cause, so, Monte, help me out because you're a Heisman finalist. You said, And by the way, well done. You texted me on Saturday. It's confirmed. You do have 40 touchdowns. Anyone who said 39 your Heisman year is full of crap. You had 40 Ooh. touchdowns. You're a finalist. Melvin Gordon has the second greatest season in the history of a running back and gets yeah. second. So we're trying to put – what does JT have to do this year? Look at what you accomplished and what Melvin accomplished. What does Jonathan Taylor have to do in, in <laughs> retrospect what you guys did? I'm honestly not even I, – I, I don't even know, man, because, yeah, 40 touchdowns in Melvin, the second greatest ever. It's like I think JT is going to have to, you know, rush for like 600 yards next game. Um, and put up like 
25 more touchdowns, I think, because the award goes to quarterbacks every single time, and it's kind of frustrating to a lot of running backs and, and former running backs as well because, you know, we put in a lot of work too. And the award states it goes to the best player, the best team, correct? Yep, yeah. Right now it's looking like the Badgers are the best team, in my opinion. Yep. And, and John Taylor is looking like the best player in the country. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I, see, the thing is, Monte, you're making way too much sense. And, like, you know, the year, the, you know, like Robert Griffin the third, nice season, but it wasn't a record-setting season. Uh, Marcus Mariota, a nice season. Wasn't a record-setting season. I mean, I look at... To be the best player, like, do you do something that you've never seen before? I thought what you and Melvin did, we had never seen before, and potentially Jonathan Taylor's going to have a season that we've that's never seen saying. before. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I, I truly believe we are seeing right now Jonathan Taylor do things that no one has ever done before. And, I mean, we're only, what, five, six games in? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like, come on now. It's like, this guy's got... <laughs> about four to five more games left, and it's like he's most definitely going to shatter records, continue to take this team to where this team needs to get to, and I truly believe this is the year we're going to win a Big Ten championship game too. Uh, visiting with former Badger great Monte Ball, and you, now you get to that, uh, Monte, and, and that's you know hopefully competing for the Big Ten and maybe college football playoff. I mean, mm-hmm. Illinois this week, we'll just, you know, that that's like when you, when you simulate a game right. on Madden because you know you're going to get ah. to the next week. So we're going to simulate the Illinois win. <laughs> Let's move ahead to Ohio State. You know, how big is that game? And if, if, if you were a part of this team, you know, what's the mindset going on? Because you know, right, you go into Columbus and win next week, it's now college football playoff or bust. Absolutely. I just had this conversation last night. I said, uh, we go in and beat Ohio State at in Columbus. I'm telling you this right now. This team should jump up to, like, number two in the rankings and I know most definitely that will give us, you know, the firepower that we need to fight for the playoff spot. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm guessing we'll meet Ohio State again in the Big Ten Championship game, beat them there again, too, and take off from there. But I'm most definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, this weekend against Illinois, like you said, simulation game, uh, kind of just work out the Kings, get our get our second and third string ready to go. But um, against Ohio State, man, I'm going to be glued to the television. Well, Monte, when, when there's a big game like Ohio State coming up, but then you have a cupcake in Illinois where your badges are favored by 30-plus points, exactly. what what goes through the minds of you know the locker room knowing that Ohio State game is looming? Is there a look ahead, or is it everyone's focused on Illinois? Well, you still got to be focused on – you still got to be focused on Illinois. Um, you still got to you know, obviously give respect to the game that you're going to play, but uh, – Obviously, yeah, being favored by 30 points, we obviously are expecting to win, but you still go in, do what you're supposed to do, and get out healthy. That's the most important thing. Get out healthy. Yeah. Get the players out healthy. Um, keep the uh, starters, again, healthy. Keep the second string ready to go, third string ready to go, because we're going to need every single player to come off state. Let me, ask you about that, uh, let me ask you about that Ohio State game. What do you think of 11 o'clock kickoff? <laughs> I do not like that, man. Getting closer to 6 a.m. on a Friday morning, it's Josh Scramlin for the Midwest Farm Report, sitting behind the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk. And right now, I am on the phone with Kurt Blades. He is the Association of Equipment Manufacturers Senior Vice President of Ag and Forestry Services. Kurt, thank you so much for your time, and how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. So we got this report in. The September ag equipment sales numbers are in, and for the most part, they're pretty solid. So I have to ask my biggest question, and we posted these numbers on our Facebook page, and a couple of our listeners asked the same question. In a down ag economy, why do you think that equipment sales fared well this past month? Well, there's all kinds of reasons why equipment sales showed up 
positively in September. And keep in mind, the numbers that we report are retail sales. So this is when the title actually transfers. Uh, but there's a couple of things at play here. Uh, one is, you know, we're kind of dealing with, um, we're dealing with an aging fleet out there. And, uh, you know, we had equipment that, uh, you know, 10 years ago, you know, farmers were on a, on a pattern of, of rotating their machines every three, five years. And for the last few years, those that they've just been extending that one more year and one more year. And I think we're kindly finally getting to the point where it's just time for some of that equipment to be, to be replaced. So we're in a, we're in a bit of a replacement market and that's booing the numbers just a little bit. The other thing that's a play here is there's some pretty neat technology out there that I think farmers are starting to, to really realize the value in that technology and, and recognizing the, you know, the efficiencies that they gain either in time or in fuel savings and, and really starting to implement that into their farms. So those are kind of the, 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 the macro things. And then when you get to, you know, how does that work in this down ag economy? Well, as you know, we've been dealing with weather issues. We've been dealing with trade issues. We've been dealing with all kinds of other things that are uncertain for farmers out there. And they're, they're looking at their psychology and think, well, what's, you know, what does, what does my future hold? Well, I think what you have to assume, most farmers are in business for the long haul and uh, tend to be pretty, pretty optimistic that, you know, this too will pass. Now, why did we see the jump specifically in September? I think we're kind of looking at, uh, you know, you had you had a late plant, and then you have uh, what looked to be the beginnings of a good crop, and then all of a sudden, what's going to look at a look at a later harvest, and farmers kind of saying, you know what, maybe I'm going to grow a little bit of crop, and uh, and that's why they're making their decisions to maybe uh, maybe purchase some equipment in September versus where they might normally uh, you know, look to do that in October or even later in the year. All right, my next question, let's talk about one of the most impressive things in the report. The self-propelled combine sales have increased 12.3%. That seemed to be one of the highlights of the report. Why is it that you're seeing such an increase in the self-propelled combine sales? Well, you can look at it as a percentage, and that's a pretty pretty nice jump. There's also, you know, we do have to keep in mind that there's not a ton of units that are sold specifically. Uh, you know, in the month of September historically. So that, that 12% represents about a 50-unit jump. But over for the whole year, we've seen about a 1% to 2% uh, increase in overall self-propelled combine sales, uh, you know, year over year. And that's a, pretty, that's a pretty nice number. We saw a really big jump in, equipment, in, uh, in combine sales in, uh, in December of last year and even at the beginning of this year, saw some nice bumps. I think that was where farmers were taking a look at, you know, that that harvest season last year that just lasted forever. I think folks were realizing that maybe it was time to to add another unit or to uh, to really look at, you know, what they can do to make sure they have the right amount of equipment for that uh, for that really important harvest window. So I think we're kind of seeing that same thing right now with. With uh, with September, people looking at this late harvest and say, you know what, I don't want to be harvesting my crops in at Christmas time. Maybe it is time for me to make a make that upgrade 
and I'll make that upgrade before harvest this year rather than uh, making that after harvest next year. All right, you heard him. That is Kurt Blades on the phone. He is the Association of Equipment Manufacturers Senior Vice President of Ag and Forestry Services. And we just had a very nice chat as AEM recently released their September Ag Equipment Sales Numbers. If you want to see those numbers, you can head to our website, MidwestFarmReport.com, or you can find the article on Facebook by searching Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook. And make sure to like our page while you are there. Kurt, thank you so much for your time. Remember, you can visit us online. That's MidwestFarmReport.com. And don't forget to claim your free Fabulous Farm Baby Bib courtesy of Quick Trip when you're on our website. Again, it's October 18th, 2019. And from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk on a Friday, I'm Josh Scramlin. When you're in for improving your energy efficiency, Wisconsin is in for growing your farm's energy savings. Focus on energy partners with Wisconsin Utilities to offer farmers the tools to grow their farm's energy efficiency and cash incentives to make it happen. Get started today. Call 888-947-7828 or visit FocusOnEnergy.com slash agribusiness to learn more. That's FocusOnEnergy.com slash agribusiness. Focus on energy, helping farmers grow since 2001. What do you think? We're going to have rain, we're going to have snow, we're going to have decent ground for the fall harvest. Whatever you're going to face, be ready for it. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here from my buddies at McFarland, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City, just off Highway 12. Real easy to find. And I'll tell you what, when you make your way into McFarland's where everything's all under one roof, if you're looking for assistance when it comes to the harvest, walk straight through the store back to the farm department. That's where the boys will be able to help you out. Whether it's a part that you need to make sure something's going to run smoothly or you're looking at new or used farm equipment, they're there to help you out. Remember, they specialize in the Agco product lines. They've got Massey's. They've got Kubota's. Whatever you're looking at, the staff at McFarland's can help you out. And remember, the farm department specifically has years of service. So whether it's new or used, tractors, combines, or short-line equipment, McFarland's is ready to help you all under one roof. Check it out. McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City, just off Highway 12. It is October 18th, 2019, and for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin with a look at your opening news and markets on a Friday. The top Democrat on the Senate Agriculture Committee wants to know why Southern producers have received higher payment rates than others through the Market Facilitation Program. Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan questioned the methods behind calculating the payments during a hearing on the 2018 Farm Bill earlier this week. I don't see how the payments are lining up with the damage. 95% of the counties, the top rate of a payment rate of $100 or more are in the south. 77% of the counties that have minimum payments of $15 are in the north and west. I'm not trying to start a new war between the north and the south, but we work really hard to make sure the Midwest and the north are viewed equally. And so we are seeing the payment rates clearly going to southern counties and commodities, despite the fact that the north and Midwest have been hit the hardest. And I'll give an example. Cotton receipts significant payments last year in 2018, even though cotton prices increased. The payments are meant to offset losses from President Donald Trump's trade agenda, but Stabenow says states hit the hardest. Top corn and soybean producing states are not receiving the most trade assistance. And speaking of corn and soy, let's take a look at those opening market numbers. Right now, cash corn is at 395. That's up a quarter of a penny. And new crop corn is unchanged at 406 and a half, while cash beans are up five cents at 936 and a half. And new crop beans are at 950 and a half. That's up five and a quarter of a penny. Cash wheat is at 
524 and a quarter. That's down one and a quarter. A new crop weight is at 529. That is down one and a quarter as well. Butter is at 214 and a half. That's up a quarter of a cent. Black cheddar is at 214. That's down three and three quarters of a cent. Cheddar barrel is at two and down two. And as for those milk prices, right now, November milk is at 1851. That is down five. And December milk is at 1798. That is down four. Make sure to head to MidwestFarmReport.com to claim your free fabulous farm baby bib, courtesy of our friends at Quick Trip. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It's 3 a.m. Your home is freezing. No, it's not your furnace. It's your empty propane tank that your provider forgot to fill. Don't let this become your reality. Contact the propane experts at Insight FS. Ask them about their tank monitoring program that gives you 24-7 access to your tank levels. Insight FS also offers convenient contracting or budget billing programs. Don't get left in the cold. Let Insight FS bring the heat. Visit InsightFS.com for a propane expert near you. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling the shine and diamonds but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days they may have that traditional feel that traditional customer service but they also have the new modern looks of today stop in and take a look at their jewelry case talk to the staff find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create go online goodmansjewelers.com Shopping at Rogan Shoes is fun. Shop great name brands and get the second pair for half price. If you don't need a second pair at the time of your purchase, just bring in your receipt at a later date to receive your discount. Rogan Shoes, Madison East and West in Janesville and Beloit. Equal value or less, some exclusions may apply. See complete details at a store near you. Snowmobile trailers are hitting the lot at I-39 Supply. We got RCs, easy haulers, missions, inlines, out of lines, side-by-sides. He can ramble on all day. Just stop by and see him for yourself. I-39Supply.com. McDonald was real and actually had a farm. Hey. She'd talk about it. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, there are plenty of farmers out there trying to make the most of improving weather conditions going into the weekend. That doesn't mean that it's going to help us with the crop we've got out there, though. Not at least a lot. Let's talk about it. It's time for our soybean update brought to you by the Soybean Marketing Board and your Soybean Association. Remember, you can find out more online. Just go to the Wisconsin Soybean website. You want to start getting yourself lined up a little bit for some of the wintertime activities. We'll be doing yield updates with our university extension staff. Of course, we've got the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo that comes up right away in the beginning of 2020. So make sure that you're getting in tune with what's happening with the Wisconsin Soybean Association and your Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board. So Dr. Sean Conley is back along with us today. And like I said, Sean, the good news is, at least as we're going into the weekend, we are seeing improving weather conditions. But that surprise weather that we picked up about 10 days ago with a sudden frost freeze and snow in some areas uh, in October, I mean, that's kind of the last thing we needed, wasn't it? That's right, Pam. It's going to be a, a challenge for some of those farmers because not only was that frost kind of nip the beans and slow down maturity, or in some cases, 
outright kill the crop, but what happens is we tend to have some what we call butter beans or green beans that will be very slow to mature that farmers are going to have to deal with in the harvesting and uh, storage process. Now, we know that a lot of the beans that are being harvested would have been the earlier varieties if they got planted properly. What kind of yields are you hearing, Sean? Uh, What other kind of issues from the combine have you already heard? Some of the biggest issues I've heard, obviously, are a lot of farmers are getting stuck. That's going to have to deal with some issues with um, fall tillage and ruts in the ground, so we'll have to be dealing with those things next spring prior to planting. But beyond that, we're seeing in terms of yields from the early numbers I've been seeing, or right in that 5 to 10% off of what they typically see on their farms, which is kind of what I expected given the growing season. But, again, it's not the numbers that we had hoped of given the markets and where we are with the uh, farm economy today. What about issues with regard to harvest? Like you said, yeah, the fields uh, in many areas are mud, but what about the the, stalk, the standing uh, part of that crop? Are we dropping any beans? Are there? I, I mean, I'm hearing a lot that the the plant itself is still plenty green, and it's it makes it kind of tough to get them through the head. That's right. It's hard to push them through the head. And again, with that frost, what we would see is sometimes it makes those um, beans hard to shell as well, which means we have to slow down and really watch our combine settings, which again, with the weather being like it is, farmers do, do not like to slow down when it comes to harvest time. Well, and you know, the other thing, corn is a little bit more forgiving with this kind of crazy weather. I mean, we can basically let that go freeze and just wait for the ground to firm up. Beans were not that fortunate. Yeah, I feel poor for those farmers in North Dakota. You see pictures of fields that are covered in snow and the farmers are up to their waist. So fortunately, we don't have those issues here yet. But again, that's the thing to do is get down there and get those beans off as quickly as possible. We can we can cut corn in the snow. It's really tough to cut beans in the snow. So I'm setting my combine. I'm going into a field I already know was challenged because late planting. Uh, you know, maybe there's parts of the field that are uh, soft, other parts that are sand. How do I want to look at my combine settings this year, Sean? I guess the biggest thing to do is go back there and, first of all, just check the rotor speed and check your settings to make sure. Because, again, with these butter beans, we're going to have larger beans coming through, which is going to slow down the process. Another thing that I've noticed this year is that the, um, in terms of the back and the airflow, make sure you have your straw chopper set properly so you're throwing the, um, the residue more evenly. I've seen a lot of fields that looks like we're wind rolling out there, and that's going to cause us problems next year when we go to no-till or into those fields and have some issues with either going back in with soybeans or, or even that matter for corn and having the issues with plant plantability in those fields because of that residue. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about how I'm going to store this crop. Uh, like I said, we still have weeks ahead. Uh, we're going to have an erratic crop all the way around. What issues do I have to keep in mind when I'm driving that combine as it relates to storage, not just through this winter potentially, Sean, but for quite a little while? Right. Well, when we're going out there, Pam, and this was really good for storage, remember that uh, we typically don't dry beans in the state of Wisconsin, but because we're going to have some issues with some butter beans and some of the farmers aren't going to want to take that that hit or dockage at the elevator, just make sure you go through and you just put air on them. We typically don't like to put heat on soybeans and make sure we get them down to that moisture level that we're looking at. You know, obviously don't over-dry them we could lead to shrinkage and then get them to the elevator as quickly as possible just to make sure we pass any storage issues onto them and not on the farmers. Mm -hmm. 
I don't I don't want to uh, be smug about this, but if there's somebody out there that is still sitting on some decent soybean yields and uh, maybe you're maybe you're one of the rarities in the neighborhood, you still are accepting applications for the Wisconsin Soybean Yield Contest. That's right, Pam. If you look at my website, which is www.coolbean.info, um, you'll be able to download it. And actually, I just was getting calls last week. I believe it was Tuesday when everyone started running. I think the whole state started harvesting beans last Tuesday, including us. And my phone was actually ringing off the hook and asking where those um, that paperwork was. So it's on the front page, Yield Contest. Feel free to download it and as Pam indicated earlier, I don't think I'm going to get a lot of entries. So even if you think it's not the greatest yield, submit it. Uh, you might be surprised, and you'll walk home with a check for $1,000 to be the winner for your region. Are you still going to do the quality premium one, too, Sean? We do. It's a good reminder, Pam. What I want growers to do is send me in a quart of soybean seed. I think last year we only had two entries for the, the quality contest, so... That's another one to make sure you send in seed with your entry. And the winner of that contest uh, gets an extra $500. So you could easily walk out of there with $1,500 for winning the yield contest for your region, as well as the state quality contest. Yeah, that would be a nice premium. Like you said, coolbean.info has got uh, the paperwork you can download and fill it out. It's not not too terribly difficult. Now, Sean, let's talk a little bit more about uh, issues that we have to kind of keep in mind going through the harvest now. And it's not even just the harvest. What you're seeing in Wisconsin farm fields has probably manifested itself in the seed industry. We've got to start making some decisions on the seed we want to start acquiring for next year. What do we need to keep our eyes open for 2020? I think a couple of things we need to look at, first of all, is there's going to be a lot of discussion about traits this year uh, with more of the enlist beans being available. We obviously have the extends, and then we're going to have some of these stacks uh, as well that have liberty and glyphosate and another trait. So there will be lots of options out there available to growers. So it's really important to look at the yield data. Um, as we've noticed, as some of these new traits come in, the first year they hit the marketplace, they can be, not always, but they can be depressed in terms of yield. So just make sure you look at lots of sources of yield information and also understand how you're going to be managing those weeds because obviously water hemp was a huge issue this year. We're going to have a lot of uh, water hemp seed dispersed with our combines as we're harvesting this, um, this fall. And just make sure you have a weed management plan in place that can utilize one of those or many of those traits in order to combat that issue in 2020. So we're still a little early as far as the overall Wisconsin soybean story for the harvest of 2019, huh? We are early. We're about, again, for the last two months, we've been about 10 days behind. So again, our crew is going to start rolling again today. As I saw many farmers, again, we're starting yesterday, specifically Mm -hmm. in southwest Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And those combines are going to be rolling day and night uh, until that soybean crop is off. So I just I want to remind farmers, I know it's, it's fall and the wind and cold are, are causing a little bit of stress, and make sure you take a little bit of time and don't uh, operate your equipment when you're overtired and for safety reasons. Well, yeah, absolutely. Safety always first. All right, Sean, we appreciate it. We'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks and see if our situation improves at all, huh? 
I'm, I hope so. Yeah, me too. All right. Dr. Sean Conley, he's our University Extension Soybean Specialist, joining us for a quick update on what he's hearing from growers, some of his observations from his own test plots. Like he said, safety first, uh, even despite the fact that uh, the pressure is on to try to get those soybeans out. And don't forget, share your information with Dr. Conley. If you've got questions, reach out to him. And you can do that best by going through coolbean.info or, of course, uh, the Wisconsin Soybean.